Hello, everybody. Megazard X here. Back at it again to give y'all another very exciting podcast episode. That being my Zarcast episode 38. Now, I'm going to keep it a buck 50 with all y'all. It was a, oh gosh, it was like pulling, um, you know, tooth and nail to be able to come here, talk to y'all tonight about my normal podcast stuff because as much as most of y'all may know, Big Game has recently came out, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and I've been grinding away at that mess because, holy oh, shoot, that game is freaking incredible. I mean, shoot, I have, I have quite a bit of stuff to say about it here. No spoilers, though, but I'll just basically be talking about when we get to that segment. It's going to be like one of the last topics in terms of my gaming, um, in terms of the gaming news stuff. I'll talk about basically... Some of the events, but not every single event in detail, but some, some events. Basically, everything that's pre-Noah meeting up with Mio's team. Like, once those two meet, that's as far as I'm going to talk about with certain little things. That's just kind of like the intro segment, because a lot of stuff was kind of tutorials, kind of teaching you the way how it works with the mechanics and stuff like that. I'll just talk about some events up until that point. It's not very deep in the story, and I won't go any further than that, and that'll be it in terms of my impressions thing. But I just got to go ahead and talk about it, because my friend's been over there just been going through and just tearing through the game whatever i'm talking about mario over here p- taking like a week off work uh work and <laughs> getting into this game and uh he's already like 60 plus something hours up into this game i'm like what the heck man but oh goodness but yeah so we, we yeah so <laughs> i'll leave it at that though but that's just some overall things right there so i don't think this show is going to run any longer than an hour as soon as i'm done with this i'll probably jump right back up into that game though but yeah, we got quite a bit of interesting topics here to go through in tonight, though. But uh, you know what? I, I ain't gonna dilly dally because I kind of want to get back to that game. <laughs> oh shoot! All right. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump up into that pop culture segment. All right. So first thing I want to talk about, and basically the only thing I want to talk about in terms of my pop culture segment is uh, we did get an announcement, Cars on the Road is coming out to Disney Plus, actually fairly soon, it is coming out in the month of September, so I'm like, oh, okay, I, I can see that, that's that's kind of interesting right there, so, you know what, I'm really looking forward to this, I'm, I'm a big Cars fan, even though you might not personally see it with me and whatnot, though, but I, I really did like the first movie and the second, I feel like the second movie was probably my all-time favorite, third one didn't really kind of hit too many good strides with me, and obviously you had all the car shorts in between, though, but I'm, I'm curious to see Lightning McQueen and Mater kind of team up, kind of going across the country and whatnot, though, so yeah, so yeah, I, I'm actually looking forward to this, though, I am quite, uh, quite a bit, though, um, but yeah, that's, Basically, all I want to talk about that wasn't really too much stuff going on in the world of pop culture, but I do know that there is a Crunchyroll Expo um, thing kind of going on in this early part of August, which it is kind of new seeing all of the different announcements to have with certain anime and stuff like that, though. I will talk about some anime stuff a little bit later on until like the, you know, the what I've been watching segment and whatnot, though, though, but that's pretty much it in terms of that, though, so pretty quick little subject right there, though, but let's go ahead and jump up in the meat and potatoes, so without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into that gaming news. So we did get a confirmation that Black Panther, there is a Black Panther game in development right now. And this this honestly really did kind of catch me by surprise because I was like, 
with Marvel, we, we've been getting quite a bit of games. Like, we had Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 that was on the Switch that was exclusive to it. I don't even think it actually came out to PC yet or something like that. Unfortunately, the game that bombed the Avengers that was kind of heavily associated with PlayStation, but I think it was technically on um, Xbox as well, though. Uh, Gardens of the Galaxy, uh, a game that I beat recently, not too long ago. I, I say within the past few months or something like that. That was a phenomenal game, but I think just due to the the negative impact that Avengers had on it, it, it didn't kind of catch off well. Obviously, you have your Spider-Man, um, you know, the Spider-Man that came out on the PS4 or slash the remaster on the PS5, and then you have Miles Morales that released right around the PS5 launch as well, and we know we have a Wolverine game coming, we know we have a Spider-Man 2 coming here fairly soon, so yeah, there's a lot of different Marvel games that we have gotten in recent memory, though, and now that they're saying that there's a Black Panther game in development as well, you know what? I'll take it because I think they can do some pretty cool stuff um, with a Black Panther game, though. Now, this information did come out from Jeff Grubb, and he was the one that said that there was a Black Panther game in development. Um, it's titled Project Rainer and is developed by a new studio headlined by ex-monolith BP Kevin um, Stevens and published by EA. Some good stuff and some bad stuff with what I just said. The good thing is, is... It's by ex-Monolith um, DP, Kevin Stevens. Monolith style, they be making some really good games for Nintendo. So that part bodes promises, at least in my eyes. The bad thing is, published by EA. And that's why I started scratching my head like, wait, what in the world? I mean, of course, Disney's ain't out there making their own Disney-related property games or whatever. They always license that stuff out. We see that with all the Star Wars games. We see that with all these other um, Marvel games and whatnot, though. So, I mean, and then also you think about, like, the Kingdom Hearts or whatever, though. I mean, Square Enix always takes care of that, though. So it's not like Disney actually goes hands-on making those games and just kind of approve of that. But I'm like, EA, out of all the different people that you could possibly think about, I'm like, what in the actual world? I'm like, bruh, uh, I don't know. That just got me kind of feeling some some kind of mixed way. We got a couple other details up in there. They did say that, or he did say that it was an open world single player game where the player becomes the new Black Panther, and it is an earlier development. So, if, you know, if all of this stuff happens to become true, don't look forward to an announcement of this game this year. Maybe if you're lucky, they might announce it next year in 2023, but I'm not expecting a release date for this until maybe late 2024, maybe 2025. If they say early development <laughs> and we haven't actually had an official release date for it yet, you can possibly think about it roughly being about three years out or so or whatever, though. So, I mean, it'll probably be cool by the time it gets here. It might come out roughly in that same kind of time frame when the new Wolverine game comes out because we do know that... um. Shoot, I'm trying to remember now. I think Spider-Man 2, was it scheduled for 20, was it scheduled for 2023, or was it um scheduled for 2024? I'm trying to remember. Oh, golly, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. It's not too much, Um, oh no, I think it is supposed to come out in 2023. Oh shoot, yeah, it's supposed to be coming out in 2023, so I'd imagine the Wolverine game will be coming out later than that. So I'm thinking when Wolverine's almost ready, since both of those are being made by, um, golly, I can't even think right now. Uh, since both of those are being made by uh, Insomniac, 
then I'm thinking it might be a little later on after that, though. So that, that's just kind of my rough overall impressions of this game. I think it could hold some promise. The EA part about it is just still a little bit daunting, to say the least, though. But I think that's pretty much all I can say about that, though. But y'all got to let me know whether or not if y'all are excited about potentially having a Black Panther game. Or you might be a little skeptical because it is associated with EA publishing it. So we just might have to all sit around and wait and see until we actually get some, like, gameplay footage of this game and see how it actually really operates and stuff like that, though. All right, so we'll go ahead and move over to the next topic because finally we got a news update on some Amiibo that originally were supposed to launch way back. I think it was, like, earlier in the first half of this year, back in the time when the Min Min Amiibo dropped. But Nintendo came out with a with a statement saying, hey, uh, we have to delay it due to the fact, I think COVID was sort of kind of affecting things. You know how it is with like production line, making things and whatnot, though. I, I just feel like manufacturing stuff post-COVID has just been kind of a slugfest or whatever. But now we finally got the official release date for it. It is going to be coming out on September 9th. So you'll finally be able to pick up Steve and Alex finally. Me personally, I don't think I'm going to actually get these Amiibo. I mean, granted, I, I play Minecraft. Like, shoot, I played a lot of Minecraft in my junior high days or whatever, though. Um, some of my friends managed to get me actually purchase the, the Minecraft version on the Switch. Uh, we were active playing that mm, fairly often. I say maybe a couple years or something like that, though. But we kind of set off of it or whatever, though. So I play with it, dabble with it or whatever. I'm not a megaton fan of it, so I don't really kind of see the need of getting these two Amiibos, though. But the good news is... If those two Amiibos are out of the way, I'm like, good. Once we get these in our hands and people are satisfied with um, Steve and Alex, that means we can get the next Amiibo, which that's where things get really interesting because then maybe we'll get Sephiroth, which should be next, and then after that, Mithra and Pyra. They might drop all of those at the same time. I'm going to get all – I think they're going to separate Mithra and Pyra. I have a feeling they're going to separate those two Amiibo. So I'm probably going to get all three of them, and hopefully they all launch at the same time, not just Sephiroth and Empire and Mithra. At least that's what I'm hoping, though. But yeah, but also, there was a little bit of breaking news, I would say. I don't know if you can really consider it breaking news, because nothing's really official official, but there's been some things kind of running on in the background, because um, there was an, um, it's an update on the Monster Hunter Rise Amiibo. Because the the internal system at GameStop shows a date that it could be launching September 9th, which is the same date that the Steven Alex Amiibo come out, same date that Splatoon 3 comes out. That all kind of makes sense. They like to drop the Amiibos roughly when Nintendo's about to drop a brand new game. They'll just like kind of ship it all out in one little bundle whatever. And it was also showing up on August the 26th. And I'm looking over here on my calendar right now. Because August the 26th is also the date that the uh, the Splatoon 3 Switch OLED comes out as well. So it could make sense coming out on either one of those two dates. Nothing is laid in stone yet, but I think there's a uh, Monster Hunter Rise presentation here shortly in the imminent future. And if there is one, they're going to go ahead and uh, probably lay out all the details on this. I just kind of hated how with the Monster Hunter Rise Amiibo... They said it was supposed to come out. They did not give us any update on it whatsoever. And now we might be finally about to get something. I don't know. I just didn't like the way how these ones were kind of handled, though. And I think you only got it if you meant, or you only managed to get one of them, like the, the big monster, the one that was basically on the front 
what would be like the box art if there was like individually packaged of the um of the the Rise Sunbreak DLC though. Outside of that one, you weren't even able to get like the other two being like that Palamute and the Palico and whatnot though. So here's hoping either those two or those three amiibo they're gonna either drop out either on the date that the Splatoon three OLED drops. Or it's either going to drop out on the date that Splatoon 3 drops as well as the Steven Alex Amiibo, though. It's going to probably be most likely one of those two if I have to um, say so. So that was some kind of little bit of quote-unquote breaking news that I got to hear from, from today. But I did want to go ahead and throw it up here in the show in case you happen to be one of those people that really were kind of looking forward to those Amiibo, though. So just kind of keep your eyes out on on all of that information though so that's basically it in terms of the amiibo news now we're going to go ahead and switch over because you know we did get the new fiscal reports for the nintendo switch and honestly not too much has changed i think the top 10 has been roughly the same so normally i will go through and talk about all the updated numbers but i feel like most of the stuff was the same where i didn't really feel like we might need to go through and talk about all the numbers though however i will say that the switch has sold 111 million units so it's kind of creeping closer just a little bit closer to the to the number where the ps4 would be at as well as um well, yeah, basically the PS4. I think that's the next one that it could catch real quick. And then after that, there's, I mean, then you have to look at your big megatons, that being like the Nintendo DS as well as the PS2. Could it potentially hit the PS2? You know, the PS2 is roughly at 150 million. I mean, I mean, it, it's, it might be a little tough because I'm thinking at the rate that it normally sells, it normally likes to sell like, what, about 20-ish million or something like that per fiscal year just running off of that kind of quick logic you really would need two more solid years and we're roughly in the fifth year of the switch maybe three i say two most likely probably three if not almost a little bit of four and i'm thinking we probably do have at least two more years left with this system though but i don't know anything beyond three so it is going to cut it a little close because we do have to remember that ps2 was also like acting like as a dual system not only just for gaming back in the day it offered a quick um way to be able to watch dvds and that's what a lot of people use it for so it's going to be hard to overcome that ps2 beast do i think it's possible absolutely yes but <laughs> this other thing i'm about to talk about here may you know with the lack of this it might make it a little bit harder and yes it was uh, it is weird because i was looking at this i don't know if it was like an actual official official statement or whatever though but Here's the scoop, though. Nikki, um, Nikki said um, there was there will be no new Nintendo hardware this fiscal year, which ends March 2023. Not immediate clear whether that part of the article from Nikki's own reporting or what Nintendo president um, has basically said in the interview story, though. But it, it there's a story basically going around on this, though. But somehow, some way, somehow within the within the financial reportings somebody said about this and reported on it though but it does seem like we may not get any more um new updated hardware in terms of like a new nintendo switch model skew whatever you want to call it by the end of the fiscal year which means basically to the tail end of march 
of 2023 now if you did manage to have something come along a little bit stronger like the switch pro i really don't like talking about the switch pro as many times as people been kind of going through and burning that kind of mess on us i'm like i, I just want to really want to stay away from it and whatnot though though but if you were to have something to come on like that you would be able to actually sell more units and that will actually tick and go towards your 111 million that are currently sold because there is a point at time where once you hit a certain threshold you might have sold the switch to a lot of people that normally would get it maybe people that might have set it down for a generation or two and they decided to pick it back up though but then it's like it's really hard to kind of reach into that casual audience a little bit more so honestly doing a refresh doing something that's a little more powerful you might get people that might own maybe that that very first launch um that launch date title of that switch and being able to go up in there and then purchase something that be a little more powerful i know they got me personally with the oled once they discussed that hey we're dropping the splatoon 3 model i'm just that big of a splatoon fan right now though but I mean, outside of that, you're not going to get a lot of people switching from Switch to OLED because unless you're kind of doing a whole bunch of handheld gaming on that to take advantage of the OLED, it basically almost does the same thing as like the baseline model Switch. So there ain't really a lot they're going for. I mean, yes, there's like the internal storage and whatnot, though, the better kickstand and all of that, though, and slightly a little bit better battery life if you had the original model of the switch though but outside of that you're not going to be getting a lot of extra people with existing switches they'll probably jump to the oled you might have more if it was um, jumping over to a switch pro though but yeah so no new hardware from nintendo at least for the rest of this fiscal year uh, i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll see whether or not um this switch can still have legs to keep running. I think it does. I think we're fine with where we're at right now. And I'm saying, hey, I, I don't really don't think we need a pro at this point. I'm just waiting on whenever this console reaches the end of its normal life cycle, whatever, though, whatever the Switch 2 presents, it could be basically almost the same thing as this. You can update the graphics or whatever. Maybe it shows off. Um, it runs games a little more smoothly, more games consistently can run at 60 frames per second, whatever, though. I don't know, maybe with the, um, with the stuff, with the artificial upscaling that they've been talking about with NVIDIA and whatnot, though, maybe in some kind of way that we could actually have 4K games on the Switch and whatnot, though. I'm thinking that's the way that Nintendo really needs to go, because especially after COVID and 2020 and all that stuff, with the chip short and all of that stuff, I don't think you really need to blitz and make a pro. Maybe there was a pro at some point. And some people were thinking that might have been the case, but I think once 2020 happened, if there was a chance, maybe that's the reason why they swapped over to the OLED, whatever, though, and they wanted to go ahead and push those units out. At least that's what I'm personally thinking right now, though. But I think that's pretty much it in terms of that topic I wanted to go through and discuss right there, though. So I'll go ahead and switch it over to the next major topic. That being, we finally got DLC Way 2 for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I know people were clamoring on about this mess. Ever since we had that Nintendo um, E3 Direct, it wasn't like a general Direct. It was more like a Partner Showcase Mini. People were like, where in the world is your first party game? I mean, we, we had a lot of updates. We had an update on Bene um, Bayonetta 3 release day. Um, we, we turned around and had a, a Xenoblade Chronicles 3 dedicated direct. That was a little bit before the 
the direct mini. Then we turned around and had some Twitter drops, how we had like, hey, we had an update for Nintendo Switch Sports. We had an update for Mario Strikers. They added Daisy and Shy Guy up in there. I mean, they've just been doing like a bunch of what seemed to be like Twitter updates or whatever, though. But I think the one last thing we were waiting on to get an update on was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC, and we finally got it. And in this one, we got, you know, eight more courses from the two different cups. I mean, we had some games represented from the GBA. We had, obviously, our Mario Kart Tour um, tracks, which one of them was from New York. And then the other one, shoot, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head uh, what's the name of the other one, though. Um, then we had some old classics from the Wii returning, Mushroom Gorge. That one's always a fun one I like. Um, obviously, you got to have, like, an, um, an SNES track and whatnot, though. Calamari Desert from the N64. That one really caught me by surprise, but that wasn't like a traditional lap or whatever, though. It was like, it was kind of like tour based, where it's like the first lap was like regular N64. Then they had you kind of going off on some ramps, running in reverse, cutting through the tunnel. I thought that was actually pretty interesting to kind of shake things up a little bit like that. And then my boy, Waluigi Pinball, came back. I'm like, what in the world? I was like, it, it's been a while. I think the last time we had it was on the 3DS, even though it debuted on the DS. So it's been a little bit, though. But I've been seeing some crazy stuff online with people ricocheting bombs. I mean, I was playing that. I was playing this. What was it? I think it was on the day of when they dropped out um, all of this DLC or whatever, though. We had some crazy names, like one of my friends hacks chunking bombs off of the little pinball, little ricochet thing. You know when you're playing pinballs, those little flaps that go up and down, throwing it off of there, ricocheting it off back, and blowing people up with bombs. I, I, don't, I don't know what's up with Mario Kart. Like, we had way too many bombs for the racing that we were doing up in there. I was like, what the heck? Like, like it was a bunch of baloney. I don't know. But anyway, though, so, so really fun little courses like that. I actually got an update on an older course being um, Coconut Mall from the Wii. You know, normally those cars were moving back and forth on the Wii, but before this update launched, they were just kind of standing still off to the side. But now they actually come forward, do like a little bit of a wheelie, and then they reverse back. So now they actually got the little hazard right there, though. So it's kind of interesting how they went back, they listened to us and the feedback, and then they went back and put that edit up in there, though. So I, you know, tip my hat off to Nintendo on that one, though. I really did like that. So, yeah, so I wasn't thinking we are going to get updates to older courses, though. So, yeah, so obviously it's some pretty good tracks between these seven different ones. But that big one that we got, which I personally wasn't expecting it, though, was we got a whole new course in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That being one that was kind of dedicated towards a Sweet Lamb one. Yes, I... I, I, I'm not kidding about that one. It's like all dedicated around sweets. Like you, got, you like you're literally racing through an ice cream cone, you know, hopping off of like waffle cones and all that kind of extra stuff and whatnot. Though, now here's the kicker. Normally, you look at this and you probably would have thought maybe that's a tour course because not a lot of people play you know Mario Kart Tour on mobile and whatnot. Though, but that's not the case. It is a completely brand new course called Sky High Sunday, and you know, it's, I wasn't thinking we were going to get any brand new courses within this DLC. And I was like, whoa, what in the world? That actually pops up the value even more so in this DLC. We were all thinking we're going to get all, all order courses as DLC instead of 
brand new potential courses i feel like that just up that I, I feel like that just elevates this dlc because honestly you know there's two ways to get this you, you either pay for it on the nintendo eShop or you get that nintendo switch online expansion pack it's not that much more um expensive than that but then you get all the the extra stuff in terms of the n64 games you turn around and get the um you get the genesis games as well and then on top of that, all this DLC that they're trying to push this a little bit more so to get people on board with that expansion pack. And then if you didn't have online at all in general, then you get the NES, SNES, Tetris 99, Pac-Man, you know, all that extra stuff and whatnot, though. So, yeah, so honestly, that one, that one course is actually really fun. The, the fact that you have the anti-gravity on there at all times, that means you can ricochet off of people and whatnot. They'll get those speed boosts and whatever, though. That's crazy. Even racing on this track at 200, some of those turns are a little bit tough, but you're going so fast. The hang time in the air is unreal on that course, though. I, I, I'd say that one's a really fun one. Honestly, kind of got my mouth watering a little bit once I was done. I, I, was, telling my, I was telling my crew, I was like, bruh. I need some ice cream, or I need something sweet right now, because I was like, that was, that was a lot of sweet stuff. I don't know between them releasing like this high, the sky high Sunday course, and then them doing like that sweet stuff with with the Kirby game, which probably would drop out um sometime this month in August. I have a feeling it might or whatever though. I mean, Nintendo's on like a sweet fix, um fixation. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what's up with them and Nintendo though, but um. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking all these sweet updates, though. I'm really liking it, though. But, yeah, that's basically it in terms of the Mario Kart DLC stuff. So, some really cool stuff right there. I really did like all of these courses racing through there and whatnot, though. The next thing that most people are going to go ahead and start thinking, you know, they're going to go ahead and start throwing them up there into the uh, in the comment section and be like, where's Wave 3 at? And, honestly, what, they dropped Wave 1 out, was it in late March or early April? May, June, July, August, almost four months later. I'm not, I'm, we might get it at the latest would be December, roughly around the Game Awards. I'm thinking it's probably the latest. We'll probably get one more batch by the end of um, this year, though. So I wouldn't expect until late November or December, basically around the holiday time, which is probably a good point to drop that DLC because, you know, they're always going to package Mario Kart 8 Deluxe within the Switch because, um, to no shock or no surprise, it's still the number one seller within the, the fiscal reports that we just got, though. But, yeah, that's basically all I have to say on that Mario Kart 8 DLC that dropped for that Wave 2. So we'll go ahead and jump over to one of the big major topics of discussion, at least for this podcast for tonight. Because, yes, we did get a new Pokemon Presents. Now, I don't know if it's just me or if it's anybody else out there that's been kind of noticing this, though. Every time we've been getting a Pokemon Presents, the meat and potatoes is always the, the Scarlet and Violet news. Or, slash, what was before we knew Scarlet and Violet. It was Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl at one point, or Legends Arceus. They always say the big games for the very end. However, the first few games that they announce on the front end, it's always the same thing. You have Pokemon Go, which honestly is pretty nice. I actually still kind of somewhat play it every now and then though. Yeah, Pokemon Go. You have Pokemon Masters EX. And then you also have Pokemon um, Cafe Mix. You have those three mobile games always shown every single time. Then you have Pokemon Unite which is kind of a bridge between mobile and then you, technically it also counts as a Switch game as well. We're consistently getting that every single Pokemon Presents. They always lead off with those four titles. Uh, 
it, it, you know, it would throw me for a loop if I heard anything else outside of those four to start off a Pokemon Presents, though. I mean, yes, way, way back when, whenever they dropped out the, the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game that came out on Switch, the remake of Red and Blue. I mean, you might have something like that every now and then, or slash what we have with um, new Pokemon Snap. But I feel like the past couple or few, it's always been those four games. So I'm like, I don't know. It ain't really doing that for me, though. It, it's not really doing anything for me personally or whatever, though. Yes, I do recognize that Pokemon for, um, Pokemon franchise as a whole is like one of the biggest uh, multimedia franchises in the world. So, it, I don't know. It, it's just the way how they kind of did the presents. I'm kind of would actually be more of a akin to actually just showing either doing more of a deep dive or just only showing the Scarlet and Violet news. At least when they do it like that, I kind of know what um, know what to look for, though. But it's kind of weird how you go into a Pokemon Presents, you basically know exactly what you're getting <laughs> before you even actually click on that video or go into that live stream, to be honest. Like, you know, it's going to be those four games I just mentioned, and then it's something new about Pokemon um, Scar Scarlet and Violet, though. I mean, that's currently where we're at right now, though. So, I don't know. If y'all are excited about Mewtwo coming to um, Pokemon Cafe Mix or the potential of what seems to be Ash versus Red and Pokemon Masters EX, or if you like all of those different Pikachu, Balan, and Pokemon Unite or whatever, though, and it, what was the other one? I'm trying to remember. Oh, and Pokemon Go. It is kind of interesting how you can actually use the incense to encounter a legendary every single day. But outside of that, let me know if you're interested in that. But those thoughts aside, that's the first half that Pokemon presents. Now let's talk about the meat and potatoes in the second half, though. Because the second half, though, we got introduced to quite a bit of interesting news. We finally actually got the title revealed, or not the title, we finally got the region name revealed as the Paldea region for what is to be this Pokemon Gen 9. So yes, we're cruising through the Paldea region and stuff like that, though. Interesting thing <laughs> that actually started off the trailer with is saying, hey, they had this voice acting whatever, though, and they had this prompt say, hey, this is not indicative of what's going to be actually in the final result of this game. Basically saying, hey, there's some voice acting in the trailer, but do not expect that mess up in the actual game. And I'm over here looking at myself like, all right, I'm like, come on, Pokemon Company, Game Freak. I know y'all don't want to mess up a good thing. Because y'all always sell so many copies of this game. But when you just go text by text by text, and there's no voice acting, I don't know. That just, mm, that just kind of gets underneath my skin a little bit, though. But that thought aside, though, it's interesting how they said in this open world adventure, they keep saying open world, so it's going to be different from Pokemon Legends Arceus that was kind of like segmented worlds, whatever, kind of similar like kind of like how Monster Hunters kind of handle whatnot, though. You're going to be able to go out and about and do this story in whatever way you kind of see fit. Because there's three main stories that they basically said. And one of them is obviously focused around the gym badges. Or gym leader. Or gym battles. Why say gym badges? Gym, uh, goodness, gym battles. Yes, it is focused around that. That is one main story mission. Then you got a couple of other ones as well. And they didn't actually specify on that. I'm kind of glad because that way it kind of keeps spoilers down. Um, you know, there's more of a surprise. We kind of like to go into these open world games with more surprises than just knowing every single thing that's about it. Um, what's going to happen in the game though. But if I were to take a guess, 
I imagine what you know, one being the gym battles. I think one will be a, around the evil antagonist team, but that third one is the one that kind of got me scratching my head because they did mention how, um, how in your adventures and whatnot, though, that you are gonna be kind of going through and doing like a treasure hunt related kind of thing. I don't know if that's gonna be necessarily one of the stories or something kind of centered around it or whatever, though. But that's just kind of what I'm thinking off of. Off the off the top of my head or whatever though, but yeah. So that's basically um, that's basically some of the basic premise that we know about this region. They did talk about the new gimmick of what is basically going to happen in this game, which they kind of alluded to and teased within the last Pokemon Presents, and that being that um, your Pokemon going to shine and sparkle. I am not kidding because it's literally called a terrestrial ter terrestrial phenomenon. Where basically you get like these kind of jewels that pop up on the top of um, your Pokemon's head or whatever though, and they terrestrialize, meaning basically any of your moves that were associated with your terrestrial type, they get boosted. Now, on top of this boost, they can also change their types. So, you know, like for example, they show Sprigatito, it had like some flowers on top of his head. You have Blake Coco with like a, like a sh chandelier on top of his head. And then you had Quaxley uh, with like a water fountain on top of his head, though. I don't know, at least with me personally, I like the concept behind the battle and whatever, though. However, the way how they look on screen, I would say that's honestly too shiny, at least for me. I don't know about y'all personally. But at least me, when I'm looking at this stuff, they, they look a little too shiny, at least for my own good. Um, I, I don't know, it's just me thing. I did hear that about different people as well, though. Now, here's the, here's the other interesting thing, is not only will it just, like, boost types, like, you know, a Fue Coco using fire move, then it's just boosted or whatever, though. But when you terrestrialize, each Pokemon has a Terra type, and a Pokemon's Terra type is inactive until the Pokemon terrestrializes, at which time the Pokemon's type will change to its Terra type. And for example, they say like Eevee normally will have a normal Terra type, but there are other Eevees that can have a flying Terra type, which is kind of interesting or whatever though. But that might be a special case for Eevee though. But there are 18 types, meaning there's all the different kind of combinations of Pokemon in their Terra types. So it is possible to have certain Pokemon change their types completely whenever they terrestrialize. So imagine it's terrestrializing kind of has like the feel of dynamaxing in terms of just like sheer power in terms of if you use certain moves or whatever though but it's also like mega evolution into a bit because you can only terrestrialize one pokemon per battle i'm kind of going through the the pokemon website right now and that's what i'm actually noticing here though but here's one interesting thing that i found on the website that they didn't actually say uh within the pokemon presents presentation though because they said in order for you to terrestrialize, you need a Terra Orb in order to do it. So only like select trainers and stuff like that are able to in the Paldea region actually um, get this Terra Orb. And it's like a special item or whatever though. In order to, to terrestrialize, you need terrestrial energy. And you won't be able to use it again until it's been recharged. You can charge your Terra Orb if you touch crystals overflowing with terrestrial energy or go to a Pokemon Center. So that right there means that you can't basically go through this bulldozing through this game using a terrestrialized Pokemon every single battle like what you could have in Gen 6 with like a Mega Evolution Pokemon. It's, I feel like it's going to be something akin to in Sword and Shield, there's 
you know, like those raid dens or whatever, though, that you normally go to to participate in the raid battle. I feel like you will go to that, get energy like that, but it's kind of like spread out throughout the whole entire region. It's going to be something similar to that, though. So I guess that's basically how they're going to try to balance all of this out. So I like the concept behind it. The only thing I don't like is the way how they visually look. I don't know, but you know they're going to have so many crazy Pokemon cards and whatever, though, and all the merch. And, like, they could probably make, like, a whole bunch of jewelry and stuff off of this terrestrializing and whatnot, though. So, I don't know. That's just a whole bunch of stuff to kind of keep in mind, though. Now, the legendaries. You actually get these legendaries at the very beginning of the game, or sort of kind of very close to the very beginning, because, um... You're able to use those two legendaries, that being one being, um, shoot, I'm trying to pull this mess back up here, but you got one of them being, you know, that purple legendary and you got the other one being the red one. They're able like to traverse around because ever since everybody saw those wheels on top of their bodies, they were kind of thinking, oh, maybe this one's going to act like a bike or a motorcycle or whatever, though. And <laughs> technically, yes, <laughs> we were all kind of correct, though. And you know what? Re rest in peace, bike. Rest in peace because uh, I highly doubt we're going <laughs> to see you up in this game or whatever, though. Well, unless you're able to do Well, no, it's open world, so hmm, I don't know. And, unless there was, like, cities where you couldn't ride with these legendaries out in the open or whatever, though, then maybe the bike could be useful, but I, I kind of doubt it or whatever, though. But at least that's what I'm personally thinking um, right there, though. So, yeah, so it's kind of interesting how the fact of uh, Coridon and, and Miradon are able to kind of run around like this. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because, like, when I look at um, Coridon, you know, like, he, he's the one that's kind of like the past tense legendary or whatever, though, and he's the one running on all fours, and then you have Miriadon over here, really cool, jet-like, acting like a legit motorcycle because it's from the future. I wouldn't be surprised if um, Pokemon Violet actually sells more copies than Pokemon Scarlet. That wouldn't really catch me by surprise. But, I mean, that's what I'm kind of honestly expecting because I've seen a lot of people kind of shifting towards Violet because of the style of the Legendary, though. But I'm looking over here at Coridon, and it's literally doing the Flintstones. Like, like li I don't know why no one has came up with this idea on social media like Twitter or something like that. It, this is literally... Pokemon Flintstones versus Pokemon Jetsons or something like that, though. Because you literally have um, Coridon running around like the Flintstones on all fours, not riding on those, like, wheels that it has attached to his body. And that's what most people have been kind of complaining about. Like, why in the world do you have wheels on your body? If you're not even going to use them, you're going to run around on all fours. I don't know. That kind of makes him unique. I don't know. I feel like he's got to be the strongest, stronger fighter out of these two, right? Like, if he's running all the way around this region, like, what in the world? But, yeah, so they can basically climb up walls. Obviously, they can kind of roll around, like, bike-wise on, on the ground or whatever. They can swim. The craziest thing is gliding. Not necessarily flying, because flying would be kind of a little bit broke, but gliding. So kind of like Breath of the Wild, you get on the very high elevation, and then you just kind of glide down or whatever, though. But, yeah, I kind of feel like this is like Breath of the Wild, where they kind of, you know, how they released that DLC for the... Um, for the master cycle and they're like somebody must have said hey uh give me that master cycle at the very beginning or something like that <laughs> this is basically how we're traversing around this whole region no i don't think you're going to be able to actually catch these legendaries very on early they're just going to help you traverse the region and it probably want to be late into the game where they're actually going to allow you to catch them and actually own the pokemon or whatever though that's what i'm 
personally thinking of how they're going to basically handle all of this stuff. But yeah, so that's basically, I feel like I actually went through all the main information um, that was kind of showcased off in that Pokemon Presents. Yes, there's going to be like special events like one terrestrial type Pokemon is going to be like a Pikachu with balloons. And that one, when it terrestrializes, it actually turns into a flying type. There's little things like that. And we do know that um, we we it's going to be around like a school setting because if you look at the map right in front of you, um, if you were to pull it up, because I know some people actually been going through and taking or have like an 8K image or screen or whatever though that region looks very big there's even like a spot over there in the top northeast where it's kind of clouded maybe that's like some hidden strong areas or something like that the really interesting thing is like what looks to be almost like a hurricane and the very heart of the paldea region right there and i'm like what the actual heck like, i'm wondering what in the world is going on in the center and since we have access to um these two legendaries at the very beginning of the game it makes me think maybe the bigger focus on what would have been like an antagonist dealing with the legendaries or whatever the highlight like we normally have it it's going to be something in the heart of the paldea region of what looks like to be like those hurricane like clouds or whatever in the very center of the region though but yeah i think i just about went over and covered every single thing um within this pokemon presents though but y'all gotta let me know down in the comment section down below what all did you think about this um what all did you think about this pokemon presents did it wet your fans or whatever did it get you really excited about either pre-ordering it or finally looking forward to these games coming out me personally i'm seeing some promise i'm seeing some promise with each one of these things that they're doing and i like how they're not revealing a whole bunch oh oh my gosh i didn't even talk about the brand new pokemon that they that they showed up in here though oh my gosh there wasn't like a whole bunch of new ones that they actually um revealed up in here though like they showcased off a um a um a new version of whooper a Paldean Whooper. That that is one that they actually managed to go through and release right there. Um, they got like this whale Pokemon too. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why in the world they don't have this thing readily available on the website. I'm trying to get over here to the Pokemon though. Okay, here we go. There we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, Cytitan. Cytitan. I guess that's how you pronounce it. It's like an ice whale. So that's kind of interesting and whatnot, though. Uh, they have Fado, basically a puppy Pokemon that literally has, like, ears that's kind of, like, shaped out of bread. And I'm like, what in the actual world? But that one is a fairy type. Um, so, yeah. So, honestly, it's just a cute Pokemon. I wouldn't necessarily expect it. Or at least I know for me, I wouldn't actually have it up in my team or anything like that. Um, was that it? That was basically it. We had a Titan, a Paldean Wooper and a Fado. That was about it. Because everything else, like we already had um, Smoliv, we already had that Pikachu clone Palmy, we already knew about Lechonk, we had Caradon, Miradon, and then Sprigatito, Fuecoco, and Quoxley. That's it. We only know about nine, we only know about 11 Pokemon. Technically, only 10 are brand new, one being a new form. But I like how they're kind of keeping most of their cards close to their chest. Well, that is until, you know, somebody, we're like, what, a week out away from the game, and then somebody decides to leak all the information out online, and then I'm going to be like, well, what in the actual world, though? But, yeah, so, you, you know, that typically always likes to happen and whatnot, though. So, until then, I like how they're keeping the cards close to the chest until someone goofs up, though. But, yeah, that's basically all I have to say 
on the Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet news that we got within this Pokemon Presents. So yeah, so with that out of the way, we'll go ahead and jump into the last and major final topic, that being my Xenoblade Chronicles 3 impressions. Now, I did mention earlier, and I just want to go ahead and reiterate on it, I'm only going to be talking about stuff up until the point of where Noah's team and Mio's team actually managed to meet up. I'll talk about some events, not everything, obviously, in full detail or nothing like that. I'll just talk about my overall impressions in terms of the, the battling, the basic story of what we kind of got up into that point, everything leading up to that point, which is roughly kind of close to Chapter 3-ish. Currently, right now, I'm at Chapter 5-ish. I docked about... 33 hours up into the game i feel like i'm at the midway point at least that's what i feel like though but overall raw impressions i love the way how the gameplay handles in this game because honestly it's interesting how you start off with noah's team first and then you kind of get introduced to mio's team a little later though noah and his team kind of resembles everything that you kind of knew about Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Like, when they're doing their auto attacks and whatnot, though, they're based upon times, like, they're, when you use the art, there's, like, recharge time on it. And as long as you're using Noah, Lands, or um, Uni, their art's recharged by time. Meanwhile, if you look over here at Mio's group with Mio, um, Senna, as well as Tyon, theirs is based on the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 style where in order to recharge their arts every time they do an auto attack hit then they slowly recharge so one is based on time and one is based upon auto attack hits so yeah it's really interesting to see both of those two um go back and forth like that though you just some things to kind of keep in mind when you're doing the little battling system between the two though but i do like how it's it's a lot more convenient in terms of the tutorials like right off the very bat of them um throwing you after you get through like a few little opening cutscenes and stuff the stuff that we saw actually in the xenoblade chronicles 3 um direct we go straight into these tutorials and i love the fact how th they taught you everything from the very basic of how you have to use auto attacks how, when you build up your auto attacks then you use your arts and then you can cancel your regular auto attacks and go into regular arts and it speeds up the battling process because if you were to not time them just right, you could still do that same amount of damage, but it just take a little bit longer. So this kind of teaches you things one after the other and after the other. And I felt like at least from chapter one all the way to chapter three, there was always something new that the game was always throwing at you though. But the good thing is, is unlike in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which was kind of rough in terms of tutorials, they actually will let you go back and recap anything that you previously did not manage to kind of comprehend or something you want to go back and reiterate on. Maybe you put the game down for a little bit. You're just trying to figure out exactly where you're at again. They allow you to actually pull up like this AI room fighting against like AI opponents or whatever. They're kind of similar to like an Astral Chain-ish kind of thing though where you can simulate combat, whatever though. That is greatly appreciated though. Now, obviously, you, you'll go through this game. You'll get accessories and stuff that you can equip up on you, though. The gym system with crafting gems returns from Xenoblade Chronicles 1, something that you can basically equip to all your weapons that kind of bolster some stats, like maybe you get to attack faster with your auto attacks, or maybe your healer will be able to actually heal um, more efficiently or just to boost the overall attack and whatever, though. I like how with, the, with these gems, it's not overly complicated like in Xenoblade Chronicles 1, you can see how you actually upgrade each individual gym as you go along, though. So, yeah, so some really cool stuff like that. I'm trying to think. Um, there is some things dealing with 
that flashy new um, basically Ouroboros that you saw in the trailer. And I won't say any more about that though, but there's different ways of how you can customize those Ouroboruses that you actually control with and being able to fight with them. And they actually go into like a lot of different tutorials. So when you juggling between all of that, your regular attacking and whatever though, and it's crazy to think that you're actually able to control six different characters between, you know, your three and your Noah's party, three and your Mio's party and whatnot though, and being able to switch one of those at any given time I, it allows you to set things up in a lot of different ways that you weren't really able to do mind you when you're in xenoblade chronicles one you control like three members roughly in xenoblade chronicles two three members they finally decided to add all that up and managed to allow you to do six because the one thing i didn't like when in xenoblade chronicles 2 was the fact that when you played that game there's a thing that's called a chain attack. It's like a, you're an all-out attack or whatever, though. Make like a persona reference or whatever, though. But it's like an all-out attack where all your members in your party are attacking and you kind of associate and say, hey, you want, you know, this one member to use this move and this other member to use another move. In Zoom Bay Chronicles 2, that chain attack, it takes three full bars to charge. And if for some reason one of your members fall and if you wanted to heal them or whatever and revive them, it takes up like a third of your chain attack bar. In this game, your chain attack is associate is different from reviving a, a fallen ally. Only your healers, whoever you have is registered as a healer in your party, is able to actually be able to heal and revive a fallen unit. I like how they separated those, so there's no risk about you going into a chain attack knowing you're about to sacrifice potential healing. That's one major thing I really did like about this combat. I will go ahead and say that right now. If you're somebody that plays Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you probably could relate with exactly what I just mentioned right then and right there, though. So honestly, some really good quality of life things that change because i love the fact how you're able to change at any given moment because let's say normally i like using noah and senna quite a bit though but then obviously there might be a moment where they might fall or i know since some other allies are falling i can switch to my healers go ahead and set up go ahead and heal go ahead and revive do whatever they do once I feel comfortable about everybody's health or whatever, I can switch over to my defenders and make sure I know I'm lasting a little bit longer, though. And there's a lot more extra layers that I can't really talk about that will go into the spoiler territory or whatever, though. But you'll know what I mean whenever you get your hands on this game because they set you up with a good, firm foundation with your auto attacks and how arts work and how canceling arts work. And they just keep adding to that core. And it's a very can be a very complex game but it's still simple at times i mean yes there is a easy mode there's a normal mode there's a hard mode you can change any of those modes at any given point while you're going through and playing through this game which is nice because maybe you might be playing something hard and then this hard boss is giving you like some really trouble whatever though you wouldn't necessarily be stuck in that game because maybe you can drop it down to normal beat it you can increase it right back up to hard or whatever though so you can kind of shape the gameplay around to whatever you want to go ahead and decide though so that's some of the great stuff that I've been liking about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 in terms of its gameplay, in terms of all the new features that kind of add up into it, though. Now, to talk about a little bit of story, this is just a little small little bit, just kind of, you know, wet your feet a little bit. We're talking about stuff pre-chapter 2 or whatever, though. I have to go ahead and say this right here, though. I knew something was off or something was weird when, in the very beginning, you know, typically in like an RPG or JRPG, you always have a bathroom. 
bath scene or something like that, like like a hot tub scene or something like that. It's always in every single one. There was one in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I believe there was one in Xenoblade Chronicles 1 as well. I remember some being in Fire Emblem Three Houses. I mean, Persona 5 Strikers. I mean, almost any JRPG you can possibly think about, there's usually always a scene right there. I kid you not, there was one in literally the first hour that you played the game. I was like, what in the actual world? The funny thing was, it was the fact that um, it, it was an open bath. Males and females were just casually hopping in the tub. You know, obviously they had like some fog and stuff going on. And I was like, what in the world? I was like, I, I was like, okay, I've seen some tub scenes before, but I'm like, nothing like this. I was like, what in the world? And if you were to think about that and you play a little bit further on into the story, you get like roughly around chapter five, that makes sense or chapter four, chapter five, something like that. It makes sense why they were kind of interacting like that. So I'll let you put two and two together to kind of figure that out, though. But honestly, I do like the story how Xenoblade Chronicles 1 was more about the world building. I felt like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was more so about the story in terms of the character interactions. Like, they were building up the characters more so than, than particularly about the world. And then in Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I have a... It, there, the big premise is talking about life in general. Like, how we value life. What are we doing with our lives? What... What is our overall goals? What is the purpose of life itself? That's like the big motive of what Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is basically doing within this story, though. And it kind of plays hand in hand with like Xenos 1 and 2s and actually merges it together because it's like it's, it's incorporating some of the best stuff from Xenoblade Chronicles 1 as well as some of the best things from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as well, though. So I feel like that in a nutshell is like the basic premise of the story i love all the stuff between the six different characters i would say right now if i were to say which one of them would be my favorite i honestly thought i was gonna lean more towards mio senna or um uni and then possibly noah but i actually turned around and said you know what i actually like all six of them each one of them goes through like their story arcs or whatever though like some of them are like obviously like mio and um and noah's is like overarching like you know you're gonna see them from start to finish when you play this game or whatever though but then certain other characters you kind of see their character development and stuff like once per chapter or whatever or at least a heavy focus you're always going to consistently have a little bit of something though but you're going to have a heavy emphasis on certain chapters and honestly from everything i've seen from noah to uni to lands who lands is like your, your big hard-headed dude um then you got mio senna and tyon i was like what in the world i'm like i, I can just tell already I just have a strong sneaking suspicion not everybody's going to be able to make it out of this story alive. That's just what my gut is telling me while I was going through and playing this game. I hadn't ran into any aha epiphany moments, whatever. Word on the street is chapter 5 is pretty um impactful or whatever, though. I'm in the middle of chapter 5 right now, though, but whole shoot. This story right here, it, I mean, it, it, it made me laugh. It, it, it made me uh, have some shock moments. And, yeah, so, I mean... It, it made me experience quite a bit of emotion from the very get-go. Now, let's talk about the music real quick because, oh, freaking shoot. I'm like, the dude that's been making these these musical tracks, though, like some of the, the basic battle things, whatever, though, the battle things are always cool and whatnot, though. And then your overall, you know, as you're exploring the world and stuff like that, that stuff always sounds really cool and really amazing, though. But some of the themes for boss battles and stuff, oh, my gosh. 
there are some straight banger fires and whatnot though. I mean, I already seen some people making videos online, like on Twitter and whatnot though, pointing out to one theme in particular against um one of the main antagonists that I think you actually see in Viewing Carnival Street. I won't say the name of the antagonist or whatever though, but you'll know the major one um early on in the game, like. I think it's like roughly around chapter three-ish or something like that, though. Like, once you figure out who um, who's basically like a true enemy or whatever, though, you'll know that moment, and that OST freaking slapped. Now, I started going through and started making my own little playlist of going through and adding certain YouTube tracks as I've been hitting certain parts of the story and go ahead and put my stuff in that because it's like, if I'm not playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I'm listening to some of those OSTs. I'm trying to stay away from the spoilers of the ones that I hadn't listened to or whatever, though. But some of these, oh my gosh, is great and amazing, though. And can we talk about these review scores real quick? Because these review scores, oh my gosh, I wasn't thinking it was going to be hitting this high, but it actually managed to hit off on an 89 in the um, Metacritic right now. And I was like, what in the world? It was at a 90 at one point. Might have dropped as low as 88 and then went back up to 89. And I think that's where it's currently sitting right now. And with it being at an 89 right now, honestly, that has to put it in game of the year contender mode because you're just like the 88s on up and then all the 90s that usually are getting nominated or at least in the talking discussion for game of the year because keep in mind the only other game that's basically above Xenoblade Chronicles 3 at this moment and I did mention this um I did mention this to like some of my friends or whatever though the big one being Elden Ring which I still feel like that's probably gonna get game of the year or whatever though and I felt like there was maybe one more other game Neon White I think was another one I think that has a high Metacritic one that's it and then if you look at another game like Horizon Forbidden West that was one score lower that's at an 88 it's one point lower than xenoblade chronicles 3 so i feel like at this point hey man this has to make it into game of your discussion i wanted to make it that and then also wanted to get known for its ost because another um musical track that you've been hearing constantly in the xenoblade chronicles um trailers and whatnot is the flutes playing like there's like one style of flute that neo plays that's like a higher you know, a higher pitch, higher octave, and then um, you got Noah's that plays at a little bit of a lower octave. I figured out on Nintendo's Twitter account that for them to make some of this music, they have professionals craft brand new flutes, different sizes and everything, that make these unique sounds when playing them that you normally wouldn't have heard within like a traditional flute that you might have as a seventh grader playing um, while they're in school or whatever, like a traditional flute or whatever. These are very uniquely crafted flutes for a unique sound that you never heard of before. That is some sound direction right there. That's even a thing. I'm like, I, they went over and beyond with the music that they did in this game from creating whole new types of instruments that make unique sounds to some slapping bangers on some boss things and just some overall relaxing and some emotional tracks as well. They, they mixed all of this stuff in a big old pot and it's just all mixing very well. You combine, combine that with good combat. You combine that with good story and whatnot though. I'm like, whole freaking shoot. And then there's also the there's main story, which obviously makes sense. There's side quests that you can go ahead and do, the traditional side quests. And then there's hero quests. I feel like you're even more so... Um, more inclined to actually go through and do a hero quest just like um just due to the fact that uh hero quests 
they have a little bit more of a story to them than your traditional side quest. So they feel a little bit more impactful. I'm the kind of person that doesn't normally go through and do a bunch of side quests, but I felt kind of motivated to almost go through and do every hero quest that I kind of actually run across. At least I've been doing it so far until I reached a certain point of the story. I was like, you know what? I just want to knock this one out, though. But for the most part, I was pretty consistent about knocking out every side for hero quest and whatnot, though. And all the menu options and stuff like that, there's all quality of life stuff so i can probably keep going on and on and on about this game but i just want to leave this as an impressions video because uh, a little later on maybe a couple few weeks from now whatever when i finally beat this game and i can sit down with some other friends i know like sonic cube maybe mario or whatnot because i know he's a big xenoblade fan as well i'll go ahead and do my big fat review like how i normally traditionally do with my xenoblade um chronicles related stuff because we always wind up sitting down and just talking about the game all about the spoilers, all about our just big fat review of everything that was associated in that game. So you will be able to look forward to that coming at um, some point in the near future, though. We're just still grinding away at that game, though. I just know Mario is the furthest one ahead at 60-something hours. I know Sonic is at 45. I'm roughly at 33. So it's going to take me a little longer, probably a, more, a couple more weeks until I beat the game, though. But I just want to go ahead and talk about it because uh, they've been grinding away. They're obviously further along the story. They didn't really want to talk to me. So I was like, shoot, y'all don't want to talk to me. I'll talk to my people over here and go ahead and get my thoughts out here, though. So that way, at least it's recorded down somewhere or whatever, though. But that's basically it in terms of all my thoughts, in terms of my impressions, early thoughts on Xenoblade Chronicles 3 for the Nintendo Switch. It's a must-buy game. If you hadn't gotten it, consider getting it because this game right here is absolutely phenomenal but yeah so that's basically going to do it in terms of all the gaming news that i have to go through and talk about right now so let's go ahead and talk about so about that show <laughs> Alright, so here lately, some of the stuff that I've been watching, oh yeah, I did remember that in my last Darkest Podcast episode, I did mention how I was going to go ahead and talk about all the different things that I was watching, at least anime-wise, here, at least anime-wise, for all the stuff that I was actually going through and watching from this season, that being the, um, the summer series that we're actually currently in right now, though. So I'm going to go ahead and try to share my screen here. Um, for those that might be watching over here on the YouTube side of things, though. Um, so just give me a second to go ahead and drag this stuff around. Because, um, honestly, I was thinking I was going to be watching a whole lot more things. But it turns out that I actually was not going to be watching as much stuff as what I possibly thought I was going to be watching in the, in, the summer, or in the summer season right now, though. But, yeah, so here we go right here. So yeah, so here in front of me, this is all the basic stuff that I'm actually watching right now. The My Hero Academia, I mean, obviously, My Hero Academia Season 6 will be coming out uh, a little later on, though. But, at least for now, though, they did drop out two brand new OVAs for it. So yes, I went through and watched both of those. Those were just great. I always loved jumping into the world of My Hero Academia once again. So it felt good to have those um, OAVs um, to us, though. The other one is uh, a couple of cuckoos that I've been going through and watching, though. Um, with that one, 
it is a longer running one it's not your traditional 12 episodes it's actually 24 episodes so i'm still technically continuing it um watching that series though honestly it's one of my personal highlights and it's one of those episodes or it's one of those series where i either watch it on the saturday when it airs or it's gonna be like literally sunday the very next day or whatever though now this one after being rejected i sh- i shaved and took in a high school runaway or whatever though it's not one that came out from this season. I think it's actually one uh, anime that came out, I believe it was last year. But Crunchyroll just said they were going through and dubbing it, and it just happened to fall into this season, though. So, yeah, it's not something I was watching, or it's not something airing this season, but I'm, I'm just watching it right now, though. I, I feel like that one is almost on the same caliber as a couple of cuckoos for me. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm literally watching that mess the second that that mess drops out on that same day. Usually I watch all my anime at night right before I go to bed or whatever, though. Really good show right there. I highly recommend it if you hadn't already. Uh, Overlord Season 4. That was one I was really anticipating quite a bit. I don't know why Crunchyroll didn't actually go out and say, hey, we are dubbing this. I just had to watch a Twitter drop on it saying, hey, uh, um, you know what? The dub for this is uh, drop. actually came into it late. I was like, what the actual heck? But so far, I feel like the anime has been kind of mid. It hasn't been like, it had to really hit its real good strides yet. I feel like, at least with this season, it's taking a little bit more of a running start. I don't know what's up with it, though. But, I mean, obviously, I'm sticking with it. I mean, like, watch three seasons of it. I really do like and enjoy the series or whatever. I just feel like the season four is getting, like, off to a rough start or whatever, though. Classroom of the Elite. Now, that was one, gosh, I watched the first season, like, it was literally, like, three four years ago three or four years three or four years ago i think i sat down and actually watched that or whatever no and it's been quite some time i have to actually go back and rewatch the first season to get ready for the season two because they did say season two it's airing right now for this season and season three is going to be coming out next year though but the way how they play the school life because a lot of animes they're built on school life and whatnot though but the way how they do this one and it's over the top nature of how they got basically what's supposed to be like a bunch of geniuses representing the whole entire um country japan and whatnot though the way how they play off of each other the way how they have to monitor all these different points and basically be like the like the, the highest elite student and try to raise like their class total in terms of their points or whatever though it is very interesting and very unique that's up there with a couple cuckoos and um and the other one i mentioned earlier about the the being rejected anime where i watch that almost every single time that they drop out a brand new episode on usually on the same day if not the next day uh rent a girlfriend (laughs) oh boy oh man i know some kind of people kind of be feeling some type of way up on this mess though but I don't know. I, I I personally like it though. I mean, honestly, um, Chizuru is uh, sh- she the number one girl. Then it's technically Ruka. Um, then it's um, then it, then it's the you know the redhead or whatever though. Lastly, that blonde chick. Man, I I don't, I don't uh, shoot. I don't know how people personally like her though. I mean, like what the actual heck? Like that doesn't make any good sense to me. Why you might personally like that chick? I mean, I I I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I'm sorry. I I just don't do not get it though. But yeah, so honestly, some pretty good stuff right there though. Um, the other one, Black Summoner. I only watched one episode right now because um, I can't really say too too much about it though. But it is kind of interesting, and I actually liked the first episode though. It was, I mean, it's like one of your isekai animes where one person gets summoned into a world 
and um, they're, they're trying to readjust or whatever, though. So, I mean, I can't really say too much more beyond that because I only just watched one episode, though. But I did like the first episode for what they showed so far. Um, <laughs> that next one, though, that next title, though, my stepmom's daughter is my ex. Let that one sink in for a moment. My stepmom's daughter is my ex. Basically, you had this dude and this girl, I think back in their middle school days, they were dating, whatever, though. They separated for whatever reasons because they kind of fell out of interest with, it, with each other or whatever, though. And then lo and behold, their parents marry and thus they're living underneath the same roof. So it kind of got them feeling some kind of way or whatever, though. So it's like lovers that are ex-lovers now, but now they're step-siblings and... <laughs> it's kind of crazy i mean i'm like i wish there was a dub for this one though but it's only sub so i have to act it's one of the few animes i'm actually um, watching sub for this reason um for this season though but it, it's interesting to say the least though i'm not watching this usually on the days of when they actually drop new episodes it's usually like maybe a few days I, i'm actually like an episode and a half <laughs> yeah an episode and a half behind on that one though but I mean, it's interesting from what I've been seeing so far, and that's basically it for the most part on most of the anime. There is one more on that's not on this watch list. It's called Call of the Night. It's actually a high dub exclusive that I'm watching, though, but I don't have it up here on the list right here in front of me, though, but I am watching that one as well. I wish that one was sub. I mean, not sub. I wish that one was dub, but that one's only subbed as well, unfortunately, though. But yeah, so I've been going through and watching that one. That one's about a vampire and a dude that literally can't, um, for some oddball reason, he can't, he can't go to sleep worth nothing. So he just kind of, you know, walks around the neighborhood at night, walking around in the community or whatever, though, runs across this vampire, and he was like, oh, you know what, it's actually kind of cool how um, you get to do whatever you want. The dude kind of is falling out of school, like he's not going to school or whatever, though. He just kind of wants to do his own thing because, I mean, school ain't really doing it for him, though. But he's like, you know what, actually be kind of cool to be a vampire. And he talks to this girl, and obviously her being a vampire, she sucks his blood or whatever, though. But, he's, but she was like, hey, if you wanted to be a vampire, you basically have to fall in love with a vampire and then have that vampire suck your blood like normal, and thus that turns you into a vampire or whatever. So that's basically what he's trying to accomplish with this girl right now, though. And honestly, it's fairly interesting. I've been liking this series quite a bit, though. And it's actually, I think, one of the higher-ranked anime for this season. I guess the only one I think that's ranked up as high as 8. I don't understand why people like to rank anime so early on. Because there could be something kind of close to the very end of a season where something bad happens that kind of sours your whole mood for the whole anime. I have ran into a few of those in my time, though, but... I don't know, maybe some of that's just people kind of voting on it because they read the manga or the light novel or whatever, whatever was the original source material up on that, though. But yeah, that's basically all the different anime I'm actually watching for this season, though. I do need to sit down and watch that Dr. Stone special, that's why that's up on there, though. And then Fairy Tale's been kind of like my slow binger, like I've just been kind of going back through and just re-watching that and whatnot though i do need to sit down and re-watch bleach because bleach is supposed to be coming up with its um that that blood war i can't remember what's the actual name of that um that arc it's like the blood war arc or blood something blood something arc um that's coming out in the fall it's supposed to cover about 200 or so something chapters whatever in the manga so i know that's going to be a long-running anime kind of like bleach oh not bleach kind of like <laughs> already talking about bleach um, kind of like um, Black Clover in a sense, though. But I'm thinking at a minimum it's going to run a year. 
maybe at tops probably two years. It's going to be somewhere in that net range or whatever, though. But I'm expecting somewhere in the net range of maybe 50 to 100 episodes at tops or something like that, though. But yeah, so I think that pretty much does it in terms of all the anime and stuff that I've been watching. But as always, I always leave this out there for everybody, though. Um, if there is a show that you like to watch, whether that be out there on Crunchyroll or whatever, like an anime or whatever, or maybe something on Disney Plus or whatever, though, first person to leave a comment on the YouTube version side on 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 the podcast, as long as it's on something that I can actually watch, I actually will watch it, give my little short review on that one episode or whatever, though, um, on the next episode segment. I haven't had anybody, you know, actually offer that up yet, though, so I'm still kind of waiting over here, though, but uh, whenever that does happen, I actually will go through and do it, though. Now, I did know that um, eventually, or not eventually, this upcoming Wednesday, the I Am Groot series um, kicks off. It's like a short series for um, Marvel and stuff, Groot dealing with a baby or whatever, though. Looking forward to that. And then also, I do know the next Wednesday after that, She-Hulk comes out. And whenever that comes out, then obviously I'll talk about that in its first episode and what I thought about it um, in a Marvel segment for the pop culture segment in the next Zarkast episode. So you have that to look forward to as well. Also, um, shoot, I think um, Buzz Lightyear came out as well on Disney Plus this past Wednesday. So at some point, I'll probably sit down and watch that movie because it was just one that... From what I heard, uh, I guess it didn't pop off that well with most people that watched it in theaters, though. But now that it's out on Disney+, Plus, I don't really have an excuse to watch it. So uh, I'll, I'll watch it at some point, though. But yeah, so basically, that's basically going to do it in terms of the what I've been watching segment. So we'll go ahead and jump over to the very last segment, that being uh, what you've been playing. Alright, so now, outside of the obvious one, that being, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, in terms of anything else I've been playing before that, I did play quite a bit of Live Alive. I'm trying to think, was I talking about that in the very last segment, or I'm trying to remember, because, uh, I don't know, my segments are kind of thrown off in terms of how I've been doing these podcast episodes, because I got thrown off one week, though. No, I, I think I talked about Live Alive before, though. But I did finish that recently. And I think I already mentioned about how I finished um, Birth by Sleep 0.2 as well as uh, I watched the um, the Union Cross stuff. So I'm actually all caught up on my Kingdom Hearts stuff except for Kingdom Hearts 3. But I think that was some of the last stuff I played before jumping in Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So <laughs> I guess it's technically a little bit of a lighter segment in terms of this because Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is going to take a quite a bit of time. I might have literally the same response next week, or not next week, the next episode when I do this, because I might still be primarily playing um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, outside of maybe some Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC, when I want to kind of change things up for the for the pace or whatever, though. But I feel like once I'm done with Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I basically will be transitioning over into Splatoon 3, because that's not too far away from now. It's almost, I say almost. It's almost about a month away from um, from Splatoon 3 actually dropping, though. So, yeah, so we're, we're getting kind of close on that one, though. So that will probably be the next main game I'll play, though. So pretty light um, subject on this part, though. But um, if I had some other uh, crew up in here, maybe they'll have some other 
some other thoughts or other things to share, unless it's like Mario and Sonic, who are also playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3, though. But I believe that pretty much basically does it in terms of everything I have to go through and talk about and discuss within this uh, Zarcast episode um, 38, though. So, yeah, so uh, ooh, quite a bit of stuff that happened this week, though. And um, honestly, I, I've been enjoying all the news that we've been getting, though. I've been trying to keep up with some stuff while playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3 because I feel like Xenoblade Chronicles 3, at least for me, um, it, it's been taking up quite a bit of my time, <laughs> for better or for worse, though, because... Um, for better or for worse, though, because, like, I, I like how when you play through Xenoblade Chronicles 3, it's, like, literally, like, soul food. It's, like, um, it's comfort food. It's literally, like, the game that you can go to after, like, a stressed-out day or a game that just, day that just didn't go your way or whatever, though. You can always open up that game and then feel content about the world that you're in or whatever, though. It kind of soothes and eases your worries. That's just the effect of a Xenoblade Chronicles game and just going through its story, at least the first time you go through and play it and whatnot, though. But, yeah, so honestly, that game's been amazing, phenomenal, and I'm really looking forward to actually playing it as soon as I shut down this podcast, though. But y'all got to let me know, um, what did you think about all these different topics that we went through and discussed about for tonight? Whether it be um, the news and stuff that about that Black Panther new game that's kind of um, that Jeff Grubb was kind of reporting on, or are you excited about some of the amiibo drops that we're currently getting? Hopefully, we're getting those Monster Hunter um, Monster Hunter Rise amiibos here fairly soon, though. And then also, also the fact that we're also being able to get we got that Pokemon Presents presentation. And all that new information with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet as well. Maybe you're hyped about that. And then, hopefully, for all y'all that didn't manage to pick up Xenoblade Chronicles 3, y'all y'all having a blast running through that. Because, oh my gosh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. This the last story. The last story. Unless something else comes up. Um, with Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Nintendo, I bought the, the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 um, limited edition or special edition. I bought that from Nintendo, right? That game said it wasn't supposed to show up until Tuesday. The game came out on Friday. It said it was supposed to show up Tuesday. So I was like, there is no way I'm waiting that long to play that game. Now, most of my friends, Sonic U Mario, they double dipped. They bought a digital copy. They also got the special edition one. So they were fine, whatever. But I was like, I didn't want to actually buy the game twice. Because in some ways, I'm kind of cheap like that, though. But I was like, but I really wanted to play this game at launch. So what I did is I went to my Best Buy, right? And I picked up the game, and I bought that. And I started playing through it, whatever, though. And I was like, okay, I'll wait until the um, the the copy that Nintendo's going to send me. Because remind you, the special edition, since they're shipping out in two waves, wave one for launch day was just the game. Wave two, later in the fall, when the game originally was supposed to drop, will come with all of the limited edition goodies and whatever, though. That's supposed to come later. So I said, you know what? I'll play this. I'll try to return it. I'll, ret- I'll return the Best Buy copy there once I get my Nintendo copy. I let the Nintendo copy seal the day that it got here uh, on that Tuesday or whatever, though. And then, lo and behold, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, since you bust open the case, uh, we can't return it. Even though I saw some stuff online where they said you could possibly exchange it, but I think maybe you could only exchange it for the same kind of game. So I was kind of feeling bad about myself, though. I was like, well, shoot, now I just got two physical copies of the game. I guess I got to make do. I was like, wait a minute, though. And I, I checked the SKUs on the back of the of the, the two games. I was like, it's literally the same SKU. So what I did is I took my sealed copy that I got from Nintendo, dropped that off at Best Buy, and I got my full return on it, though. So, yeah, so for any of y'all out there that ever want to have, or basically any of y'all out there that basically want to try to 
get a game early when your shipping of a, another game didn't work. As long as you keep a game sealed, those SKU numbers are roughly the same at basically every retailer. I don't know about GameStop. GameStop, I feel like, might do something weird with their stickers or whatever, though. But, like, Walmart versus Target versus Best Buy, you can buy one game there and then return it to another one or whatever, though, and um, pick that sealed copy and return it like that. So I'm kind of glad for that. So now I'm not, I'm not actually out of pocket on it, and I still got to play the game early on its normal release date though all right that was my last single chronicles 3 story i'll probably have a lot more stuff to say about it in the big fat review though but yeah i'm about to call it a night because i really want to play some more single chronicles 3 i'm keeping it a buck 50 with y'all a buck 50 so yeah so if you really like this episode make sure to go ahead and hit that like button go ahead and hit the subscribe button and that bell to stay up to date on all things video game related i feel like talking about and discussing within any of my future zarcast episodes if you happen to be one of my listeners that's listened to this on google apple spotify or even amazon music on um, podcast make sure to go ahead and hit that like button go ahead and share it. go ahead and give this a review or whatever share it to a whole bunch of people just let them know hey i'm just i'm just a cool um cool looking dude even though i know i had to put my face on camera in quite some time in any of my youtube videos which i know i gotta get back around to doing that or whatever though but i'm just a dude over here that's talking about video game related stuff and just streaming games and whatnot though just kind of throwing my own personal thoughts out there my own spending my own tape up here on youtube though but that's basically going to do it in terms of in terms of this um Zarkest episode 38 so remember y'all until our video i make next and until my Zarkest episode 39 i'll see y'all later